Svetlana Lakova. She's been accused of being a Russian spy. And guess what? We have her on the podcast today. This is the Sarah Carter Show. I am coming to you from Radio America. Remember, you can read our stories at sarahacarter.com. That's sarahacarter.com, where we will have the latest breaking stories and exclusive stories for you. And follow me on Twitter, guys. Follow me at Sarah Carter DC on Twitter. That's at Sarah Carter DC, where you will get the latest stories as well. And I have some fun retweets. And Jenny loves to retweet too some of the stuff out there on, you know, out there in the blogosphere. She's going to beat you to a million. I know. I think she will. I think actually Jenny Terror will beat me to a million. And you know her well because you can read her stories on SarahACarter.com. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about Svetlana Lakova and how I know her and why she is so important to the Russia hoax and to the whole Spygate scandal. Probably one of the biggest stories in modern political history. I can tell you this. When people look back 50 years from now, 100 years from now, this story, what happened to President Donald Trump's administration, is going to be in the history books. And it is going to be something, and we're already seeing the changes, that effectively changes the way certain agencies in the United States operate, particularly the FBI, the the CIA, uh, and the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. And this is a story that, I mean, really, this could be like a John le Carre book or, you know, a Jack Reacher story. I mean, this is about spies and people being uh, slandered in the press or being targeted by agencies in an effort to spy, basically, on the Trump campaign. We know now, based on Inspector General Michael Horowitz's report, that Carter Page was a target. Remember, he was the he was actually a foreign policy advisor uh, who was unpaid and worked only for a short period of time for Donald Trump. And what we know now, based on Horowitz's most recent report, is that the FBI basically lied in its application to spy on him with the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court and actually omitted information that would have cleared him of any suspicion of being a Russian spy or somebody that was colluding with Russia. Because guess what, people? He was actually reporting to the CIA. He was actually, every trip he made to Russia, he would then debrief the CIA. So he was actually assisting the United States. But they outed him. They defamed him. He was here on our podcast. He talked about it. Life threats to his own life. Well, the same thing happened to Svetlana Lakova. She is a British citizen. She was born in Russia. She immigrated as a teenager to Great Britain. She is an academic. She's written books. And she was the target, basically, of the operation on the other side of the Atlantic in Great Britain. Svetlana Lakova didn't even know what was happening until her name was splashed across multiple mainstream media outlets from London to New York. I mean, this woman who is the mother of a small child who was going about her life, not known to anybody really in the, in the, in the world of, I guess, entertainment or news, just a regular lady living in London academic, working on her books. In fact, she describes herself as quite boring. All of a sudden was put into this, the biggest story in U.S. politics. 
And it has everything to do with the FBI and CIA and intelligence people that were targeting Michael Flynn, who was then the national security advisor and now is awaiting sentencing. And Svetlana Lakova in London and her connection with the FBI's biggest spy and most important informant, Stefan Halper. So I'm going to let her tell her story, and I hope you listen, because the details of her story are so important. And for those of you interested in the Russia hoax, there's a lot of information in this interview that is just going to stun you. And you're going to know that something happened here in our country, in the United States of America, that should never ever happen again. Hello, Svetlana. How are you? Hello, Sarah. Pleasure to speak to you. Oh, it's so great to have you on the show, the Sarah Carter Show. And I know that you and I have been trying to do this for some time. Just for the listeners out there, um, Svetlana and I have been communicating now for quite some time. Svetlana Lakova, as I said in the beginning, was wrapped up into this mess. She is a British citizen. She was born in Russia, and she has been wrapped up into the Spygate Russia hoax mess. Her name was dragged through the media, through the mud, basically, by leaks from, uh, in, well, what we would say would be spies or intelligence operatives that were trying to spread disinformation about the Trump campaign and, uh, General Michael Flynn. And I really want first for Svetlana herself to tell her own story here. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Svetlana, I'll interject and ask you those questions. But let's start from the very beginning, uh, Svetlana. Tell me a little bit about your work uh, in Cambridge uh, and your and your background, just so our listeners understand who you are. Sure. So I was born uh, in 1980 in Soviet Union in Moscow. Um, and then I immigrated um, in uh, 1998 uh, to the United Kingdom, of which I'm now a British subject. Um, and I started my undergraduate degree in 1998 um, in, at Cambridge University. Um, and I've been an academic ever since. Um, with I had a small um, uh, break from academia when I went into finance and then I went back in, into academia. Um, and all the way through for all these years, um, since 1998, um, I had um, a supervisor and a mentor called Professor Christopher Andrew. And Professor Christopher Andrew is somebody at Cambridge University who is uh, was a chair of the history faculty to which I belonged. And also um, he was one of the founders of the intelligence studies. So this is studying the history of intelligence. That's right. And I started my undergraduate degree there in 98. Um, and then um, w- once I met Christopher Andrew, he suggested because Soviet archives, they just got became declassified at that time because Soviet Union collapsed. Um, and I obviously know Russian language as my first language. Uh, and, and he introduced me to the field of the intelligence studies. And he suggested that as my... Um, uh, dissertation, I uh, write with him and for him uh, uh, about uh, Soviet intelligence. And Let's stop right there. For, let's stop right there for one second because I want people to understand this. Svetlana is at Cambridge. She has this mentor, Christopher Andrew. She is uh, 
a highly respected academic, by the way, who has written books and papers that uh, that others in, in, in this area of research and intelligence, nobody else has been able to match. She is highly credible, very intelligent, and really only known in the academic world. Now, Christopher Andrew asks you to uh, put together this research on the former Soviet unions, basically, and the GRU is now open up to, to people to basically collect information for your research, right? Yes. So, so, so Christopher Andrew, because he he's a he he he's a um, you know expert in intelligence studies. He's a historian of intelligence. He doesn't speak Russian himself. Um, I'm a historian by training, and so he introduces me to to this field of intelligence studies, and I start under his supervision writing a um, master's thesis initially, and um, Phil at Cambridge University, which I completed, uh, which is about the origins of the Soviet security service. And just to make clear, so the Soviet security services themselves, they haven't opened their archives, you know, the same way that CIA or, you know, DIA won't open their archives, right? But what the archives that did open were um, Soviet Communist Party archives. And by working in those archives, because of the, a lot, and this was, this was a huge um, coup that I achieved, is I found that, that because I worked in the Soviet Party archives or with them, they're actually available digitally as well. That meant that sometimes um, security material was were copied into those archives, so they're publicly available. But I discovered the way of of uh, of um, obtaining this amazing research. So that's I, right. And I'm going to stop you right there, really quick, because I want the listeners to understand why I'm asking you to say all of this. Because Svetlana, the person who you knew at Cambridge and also knew Christopher Andrew was none other than FBI informant Stefan Halper. And Stefan Halper is going to play a very important part of what Svetlana is going to talk about today and the reason her name is now public and and actually what happened to her over this long period of time, over the last three years, where uh, basically... These informants like Stefan Halper and other people within the FBI that were working to build up this incredible Russia hoax against President Donald Trump, how they targeted specific people and utilized specific people uh, in this game, in this uh, kind of masterful disinformation game that has now unraveled and been exposed by Inspector General Michael Horowitz. So, Svetlana, I want you to talk a little bit uh, right now about Stefan Halper and Christopher Andrew and how you know um, Stefan Halper through the Cambridge Intelligence Seminar. Yeah, sure. So, um, Stefan, so as a undergraduate and later postgraduate student at the University of Cambridge, um, I uh, was, among other things, a part of the history uh, uh, Faculty of History, um, University Faculty of History Intelligence Seminar. And again, remember that what we're talking about is not current events, right? So we're talking about events, you know, in my case, from 1930s, right? So we're studying the history of those security services. And we meet weekly. Um, it's a very boring kind of, uh, further than ourselves, a very boring <laughs> um, exercise where, um, you know, about 10 people meet every week and they exchange you know, uh, ideas about their research. So they present their research to their 
peers and um, get feedback and listen to other people presenting their research. And this seminar, this weekly seminar for graduate students was co-convened by Professor Christopher Andrew, um, uh, Richard Dillard, who was the former head of British Security Services, and Stefan Halper. And the three of them are like, you know, the, the... old professors, so to speak, within this group. And then it was for us, for younger people, to present our material. That's right. So you got Sir Richard Dearlove. You've got Sir Richard Dearlove. You have Stefan Halper. And you have Christopher Andrew. And for all of you out there that don't know who Sir Richard Dearlove is, that is the former head of MI6, of the British Intelligence Agency. So it's like kind of our equivalent to the CIA. So go ahead, um, Svetlana, and then I and then I'm going to ask he, you specifics. <laughs> yeah, and so Dialov ends up in Cambridge after he retires, and he's one of the co-conveners of the three co-conveners of this academic seminar. And um, I've known uh, uh, Halper since about 2012. Um, he was always um, every week he would be there, or most most of the time within the small group, um, and. But in all that time, I actually, in, in years that we were, you know, every week in the same room together, and it's a really small group of people, we haven't actually exchanged two words. And the reason wow. for that is Stefan Halper was somebody who is really obnoxious and rude, so he didn't have any friends. And there was this negative aura, you know, about him. So people knew that he was really wealthy. We didn't actually know anything about his background. We just knew that he's this retired American um, with a lot of money. So the understanding was that he sort of somehow bought his way into Cambridge University. Um, and the only time I sort of, um, you know, it sort of struck in my memory, my not interaction with him because, but but what happened was that I was presenting my research and it was one of my first presentations. I was pretty nervous about that uh, to a group of uh, these people at the seminar, and he deliberately sat in the front row of of the of the you know lecture hall where we were gathering, and put you know, spread himself around the first row, fell asleep, um, and then (laughs) snored really loudly. And can you imagine this is an academic environment where even if you're not interested in what the person is saying, you're still meant, especially as a, you know, as as an elderly person, you're meant to sort of support younger younger researchers, right? Yet here he is in the front row sleeping, snoring really loudly, spreading himself. And you can look him up. He's a very big man, right? So he's like half of the first one. And then he suddenly wakes up, shouts something about Ruskis, and falls back asleep. And everyone was just absolutely shocked by that. And that's the extent. So can you imagine I'm with this, this person every week, uh, right? Right. And that's the extent of my, my corp, you know, uh, that, that, that's, the, that's the only time, you know, that was my only interaction with him because he always just steered away from me and gave this idea that he absolutely hates anyone Russian or Russian related. So he's a Russian hater. So he's a Russian hater. He's in his 70s at the time, correct? And he yes. is, he is um, basically, now we know was the main FBI informant, the main spy for the FBI and possibly connected to the CIA. And as I described in the beginning in my opening so that the listeners understand, is that Stefan Halper has had a long history of connections to the CIA and being involved in political spy games. So here we have, and I want, 
think about this, Svetlana. You study uh, intelligence, particularly former Soviet intelligence. You understand also uh, the machinations with British intelligence and U.S. intelligence. Does it strike you as odd that Stefan Halper would be the basically the pseudo James Bond of this uh, spy operation to target President Trump? Well, that's the thing. So he's somebody who's 74, who is very, very overweight, who after he gives like a five minute speech said, oh, that was a good workout, uh, who can't walk up and down a flight of steps. But more importantly, he's not a trained um, FBI or CIA officer. So he, um, um, so he's somebody that um, he was. Um, so FBI. So imagine you have, you know, the famous seventeen intelligence. So you have seventeen intelligence agencies in the United States, right? With an eighty billion dollar, uh, eighty billion dollar budget, right? You have. You know, thousands, if not tens of thousands of trained people working for your intelligence services. And yet they seek out this complete outsider, right? He doesn't belong. um, You know, he's not um, a trained investigator. Uh, He's somebody who is... um, known has a history um anyone with a google can can look him up he has a history of being involved in every single scandal for over 40 years um so any gate with a name attached to it you'll find stefan halper right so why on earth out of all the people that um cia and fbi could have turned to to investigate this gravest you know, threat that America was supposedly facing in 2016, this attack on the democracy, out of all the people they could turn to, they turned to Stephen Harper, the 74-year-old Cambridge academic who is, in fact, a known dirty trickster with 40 years of scandal behind him. And then, then, Sarah, the best thing comes. So in the recently released... um, um, report by IG Horowitz, the audit of this FBI investigation uh, of 2016, they say that FBI actually just stumbled upon this man. It was serendipitous that he knew three out of four of their targets and was prepared to go and speak to the fourth one. So he says to the FBI, I know Papadopoulos, oh sorry, uh, uh, Harper says to the FBI, I know Michael Flynn, I am friends with Manafort. Um, I recently just sort of happened to meet Carter Page. And I can also go speak to Papadopoulos. And they say that the FBI actually tells Horowitz that the agents could not believe their luck. That he knew all these people. So imagine that you're spending all this taxpayers' money on all these intelligence services. And there was only one man in this world, right, that the security services could turn to who knew all their targets just by complete luck. And he was like the only person who gave them all this amazing intelligence. And this is where I this is where you come in, Svetlana. This is why you're so important to this part of the story, because you became a significant player, if not the reason why CIA director John Brennan, why the FBI all of a sudden said that an American hero, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, may have been infiltrated or colluding, remember those rumors in the newspapers and the ones that came out about you, with Russia. I want to play you a clip 
of John Brennan. Here is John Brennan's testimony before the House Intelligence Committee in 2017. Countered and I'm aware of information and intelligence that um, revealed contacts and interactions between Russian officials and U.S. persons involved in the uh, Trump campaign that um, I was concerned about because of known Russian efforts to suborn such individuals. Think about what he just said right there, Svetlana, and and tell us what happened to you when Stefan Halper became a part of your life and a part of the life of your mentor, Christopher Andrew? Well, what you just played is just absolutely outrageous. So here you have the head of CIA um, giving evidence testimony to um, uh, former head of CIA giving testimony to Congress under oath saying and uh, that, 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 that a senior American person was, was compromised, as he called it, um, and cursed into treason. So he goes on to say that uh, someone was cursed into treason. And then Washington Post very helpfully on the same day say that Brennan was, report, uh, was referring to um, General Flynn. So if you think about for one second, is you have a former head of CIA, um, accusing a three-star general, former head of Defense Intelligence Agency, National Security Advisor to President Trump, you accuse him of being um, a traitor for a foreign power. It is absolutely outrageous. And what's even more outrageous is this testimony um, takes place in May 2017 but we know now from Sidney Powell's uh, filing, so that's lawyer for General Flynn, that actually on, in January 2017, so that's four months before this testimony, General Flynn was cleared of everything, which they needed to have in order to appoint him as national security advisor. So the security services had to clear General Flynn of anything which would have include being a Russian agent, right? Right. So let me let me play this second clip of Brennan because this is going to play right into what you're saying. I don't know whether or not such collusion, that's your term, such collusion existed. I don't know. But I know that there was a sufficient basis of information and intelligence that required further uh, investigation by the Bureau to determine whether or not U.S. persons were actively conspiring, colluding with Russian officials. And I'm going to stop right here for one second because this is so important, Svetlana. They accused you in leaks of being a Russian spy. That's what they did. They accused you of being a Russian spy. Uh, and I'm talking about people that were leaking information to mainstream outlets, international media outlets. And then they tried to accuse you of having an affair with General Michael Flynn at the same time, all of which has now been disproven. But I'm going to ask you the question so you can answer it right here on the show. Are you a Russian spy? No, I'm not a Russian spy. And I've never in my life worked for or have been in any way connected to any members of Russian intelligence and or any other intelligence for that matter. I'm a British historian and academic. That's it. 
So now explain so that our listeners understand exactly where you're coming from, what happened and how you were wrapped up into this mess, how they targeted you and tried to utilize you in an effort to build a case against President Trump. And you and I have talked about this before, Svetlana. We we see it as a disinformation campaign, um, which is the only way to describe what happened here. So in March 2017, which was, I now know, around the time that uh, John Brennan was, was originally going to give this testimony, but of course I didn't know that at the time. So in March 2017, I'm sitting um, at home um, in England, and I've just given birth to my first uh, and only child uh, three weeks previously, so I have a newborn to deal with. And with everything that comes with, from feeding to not sleeping at night, and I'm, you know, being a mom, which is I'm, I'm very, very happy, but I'm also exhausted, um, tired, um, and just adjusting to this new life. Um, at the same time, I'm also um, finishing my first book, uh, which is The Spy Who Changed History, which recently came out in America. So I have all of that on my plate. Um, and I start receiving some very strange emails out of the blue. So, you know, I'm in England, British academic, just giving birth. And suddenly I get um, all these strange emails from four, confli- uh, from four competing publications, three in U.S., and one in um, England, all asking me about relationship with General Flynn. Now, General Flynn um, is a man I previously met three years ago, so uh, three years previously. So I met him in 2014. Remember, this is 2017. I met him in 2014 once in my life for 10 minutes in a public context, we had a conversation. I was at the same dinner with him. That's it. That's, that's the only time I ever met General Flynn. So how do all these publications suddenly know my name, my email address, and they all contact me within 48 hours of each other about my relationship with a man I met once in my life three years previously? And, it was, and there was something interesting there because there was um, an email exchange that was just a normal back and forth with General Flynn after you had met him because you were working on this book and that private email that was just an exchange between you and General Flynn uh, ended up in the hands of some reporter, right? That's right. So, so the email I sent General Flynn was about my upcoming book and somehow um, a newspaper in uh, UK, which we now know that this is Guardian newspaper, and we now know that the same uh, journalist and the same uh, around the same time wrote an article um, which um, Peter Strzok, the FBI agent, in exchange with his girlfriend, uh, Lisa Page, referred to as CIA leaks. Right. And right. Senator Grassley is investigating uh, this specific issue. How is it that Guardian was re- and, and the journalist in particular, Luke Harding, how was it that he was the recipient of potentially CIA leaks? Right. So this same journalist somehow obtained my email between me and General Flynn about my book. Now, I didn't give it to Luke Harding of Guardian and presumably General Flynn did Right. So and how did he get hold of it then? And when I tried to contact the um, newspaper and ask them about it, they refused to explain how they got hold of it. They just said, well, it's now destroyed. And that's it. And they never gave you an explanation for that leaked email. 
None. None. What about Christopher Andrew? Let's go back to Christopher Andrew, because that was also part of this whirlwind of stories that tried to ensnare you in this um, scandal and that really caused defamation to you. Can you talk a little bit about that, uh, your mentor and what happened there? Sure. So um, this is somebody I've known for 20 years of my life. So I was a teenager when I came to Britain. Um, No you know, no contact. And he was the person who took me under his wing. Uh, so from, it's a very personal story as well as now, of course, it, it becomes, uh, you know, part of the whole scandal. But for me, it's, it's very, you know, something very hurtful because this is somebody, you know, as, as, as a teenager by myself pretty much in England from, you know, from a foreign country trying to adjust to a new life in, in Britain. Um, that was somebody who helped me to, you know, uh, build my academic career and became a friend, a very close friend. So, you know, I know his kids, his grandkids. Uh, we used to meet regularly. And so for 20 years, he's been my mentor and in, in academic and, and, and private life. Then the next thing that happened, or strange thing that happened, is that in January 2016, um, I received... Oh, and so important point to make is that in, in the end, in 2014, Professor Andrew decided that the research I'm producing is so great that him and I are going to co-author a book, which is a huge honor because he's one of the world's leading historians and experts um, on intelligence services. So the fact that he offered me to, buy, to, buy, to write a book together was a huge honor um, I can imagine. For, for somebody who's a graduate student, right? And we actually got a very nice contract. This is, we're talking 2014, a very nice contract uh, from a U.S. publisher, both in terms of financial terms, which is like huge for an impoverished student, but also in terms of, um, you know, um, the, 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 it would have allowed me to come into U.S. Uh, arena as an established academic with a great publisher. This is 2014. So we're writing this book together, co-authors. Then what happens is that in um, early 2016, so this is uh, January 2016, um, I receive a very strange email from Christopher Andrew, and he um, is inviting me to his own house for dinner, which he's never invited me for dinner before. So we've had, you know, coffee and things like that, but not for dinner. So his wife was going to cook, and the dinner was going to be with Stefan Halper. No, let's stop there. Let's stop there, because this is... This is so important for listeners who really care about this story and want to know the historical timeline. This is early 2016. I want everybody to think about this. This is like in January 2016. In July, July 31st, 2016, the FBI claims that is when they opened the Crossfire Hurricane investigation into President Trump. This invitation that Svetlana got is occurring in January of 2016 with Stefan Halper. Now, now Svetlana, explain. So that comes completely out of the blue because, as I've explained in the first segment, um, my only interaction with this, so I was in the room with Stefan Halper every week for a number of years. We never exchanged a few words. He not only not shown any interest in me or my research, he was actually openly rude to me. And also, um, the, the, so, so now I'm suddenly invited to this private uh, dinner with this man. And 
also he suddenly wants to look at my research. So I'm encouraged to bring my research, which he previously never showed um, any interest in. In fact, he um, you know slept through it and, and laughed about it. So right? here's a guy that never wanted to talk to you, never never talked to you, snored during your dissertation disrespectfully, never paid attention to you. All of a sudden, he wants to go to dinner with Svetlana. I mean, this is this is incredible. So. Now explain right. what you did. The next, thing, the next thing that happens is I, I say no to him because, well, I say the invitation comes from my professor. I say no to him because um, I don't, obviously, for the obvious reason, I don't like the guy because of how rude he's been to me in the past. Um, and so I say no. And then we have a massive fallout with this professor, my, my professor because he starts demanding uh, very, very aggressively, which is unlike him, that, that, that I attend this dinner. And I, and I couldn't understand why it was so important for me to attend the dinner, right? Because I just thought, well, it's just a, it's just a dinner. And he just gets more and more and more, more aggressive. And after I refuse, he terminates the book contract with me. So you know the book contract I just described? He says, I'm not That's doing right. the book with you. And he links that to my failure to attend the dinner, right? Let me ask you this. So Did you ever ask Christopher Andrew why that dinner was so important? And then we'll get to Christopher Andrew's um opinion piece that he wrote about you but did you ever ask him why that dinner with Stefan Halper was so important well I tried to ask and he would just avoid um, anything um, anything to do with um, Stefan Halper um, uh, anything to do with Stefan Halper they would basically just not answer any question so um, clarify the, clarify the use of the word aggressive Aggressive. They were aggressively well, trying started. to avoid. Yeah, so he, he kept calling me. I was actually on holiday at the time. I was in Asia um, on, on holiday um, at the time that the dinner invitation came. And it was to the point where I might fly back from my holiday to attend the dinner. And when I kept saying no to him, uh, he started shouting at me and how, and he never shouted at me. Again, this is the man I've known for 20 years and remember, like, for example, I'd be late with my essays or dissertations and all sorts of things as a student, right, for 20 years of his, right? <laughs> and yet he never, never been rude. He's, he's, a, he's a gentleman. So he was really raising his voice and, 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 and in effect implied that I'm sort of insulting him by not coming to the dinner. But he seemed to me, it, it was really unusual. Uh, he was under, it, it appeared to me under a lot of pressure. He was under a lot of pressure, but I couldn't understand why. But he was basically demanding that I, I, I cancel my holiday and fly back from Asia to attend the dinner with Halpa. And I just, I couldn't for the life of me to understand, understand why was it so important. And then, and then something very important happened because I'm, I, I want to fast forward because there's so much information that you have that our listeners have never heard. I want to fast forward a bit. Then one day you find out, and I'm going to ask you how you found out. I know, but I want you to tell our listeners that Christopher Andrew, the man that mentored you, the man that you trusted, the man that you knew for 20 years after this strange, unusual invitation to have dinner with Stefan Helper that you turned down, he writes something about you that is that stunned you. Talk about that. That's right. So this is now uh, February 2017, and General Flynn has just been appointed as National Security Advisor, and then he's forced to resign as National Security Advisor over... Over that leak in Washington Post about the conversation with the Russian ambassador, 
and on and um, Christopher Andrew writes an article without telling me in 2017 where he says he's recounting the events of 2014, so three years previously, and he says in that article that General Flynn was attracted to me and that he um, invited me to go to Moscow with him and other things like that, very, very, um, and that uh, some erotic material was shown to him or something like that, you know, just some really strange things in this article. Now, he doesn't name me, he just describes uh, a student of his, but everyone, of course, figures out from this article that it was about me. I contact him, I'm very upset about that, and I, I say to him, why did you do this? And please withdraw this article. It's not true. It's not true that General Flynn was attracted to me. It wasn't true that he um, um, invited me to go with, traveling with him to Moscow. None of this is true. And he would just reply that he was under a lot of pressure. He won't explain what kind of pressure. He just refused to pull out the article, which he didn't disagree was false. He just said I was under pressure. That's it. He said he now, never said anything about Stefan Halper. He didn't tell you that he was under pressure by him. He didn't say who may have put him in. By him. He didn't say by him. But what we do know around the same time what happened is there were for a few months rumors being circulating, accusing me of being Russian spy around the university by Stefan Halper. Remember those days, I didn't know that he was a spy. And when I questioned Stephen, uh, when I questioned Christopher Andrew about that, like why is he spreading those rumors, he explained to me that this is an academic dispute that Stefan Halper and, and Peter Martin and a couple of other people at Cambridge, they are having a fight with him, Christopher Andrew, over some um, consulting business and I just kind of got dragged into that but nothing for me to worry about. So you didn't think you were connected at all at that point with anything nefarious going on in the United States? Well, no, because because the way that Andrew explained to me and, you know, this is somebody who's my mentor so I had to listen to and frankly... I couldn't believe, even if you told me at the time, it would be very hard to believe that the 74-year-old man at Cambridge University is actually plotting to overthrow a democratically elected president, right? So when I got the simplest explanation, which is in Cambridge, they have some dispute. I'm a known, um, you know, Chris Andrews, my mentor, and I kind of, they just say things about me, like that I'm a Russian agent because they're just all fighting. So That's you thought it was just acceptance. academic competitiveness, academic infighting. They were trying to, one was trying to supersede the other. There was no connection. What What did you think? That's what they told me. That's yeah, what but what did you think when what? that information came out, when it was actually revealed well, that Stefan Halper was actually working for well, the FBI as an informant? And well, not only exactly. was he, not only was he spreading rumors against you, but he was actually um, feeding information to the FBI and had recorded conversations with people in the Trump campaign and given it over to people in the FBI and possibly even the CIA. Exactly. So, so what happened? Remember, is that uh, two weeks after this uh, this um, article in 2017 by, by Professor Christopher Andrew, a number of these newspapers contacted me on the same day and at the same time. And um, two of them admitted that, and then later the, the other ones admitted as well, that Stephen Halper was the source 
for the fake story that um, I seduced General Flynn back in 2014. And, and what was put is that Stefan Halper witnessed that, right? That he was at dinner in 2014 with General Flynn and he saw me approaching him, sitting next to him and living with him, right? And actually, the funniest part of all of this is Stefan Halper wasn't at the dinner in 2014. There is no proof and- of that. Let me stop right there just really quick because I want the listeners to understand. There, they could find no pictures, of all the pictures of that dinner that night, Stefan Halper was not there that night in 2014. That's what we know. And it was subsequently confirmed to me uh, by the journalists that they now know that he, was, he wasn't there. He lied, right? But they still printed the stories. And they told me that there was Stefan Halper, but I didn't know that he was an intelligence officer. So again, I thought this is part of the, when all of this article started coming out, I thought this was part of the dispute, just spilling more into the newspapers. Now, when I then found out that, so remember that from the start, I knew it was Stefan Halper. I knew the rumors were false. The stories were false, but I didn't know it was part of intelligence operation. But when in May 2007, sorry, in May 2018, Halper came out, uh, Halper's story um, came out in the newspapers and President Trump tweeted on the same day that this is the biggest political scandal in American history and called it Spygate and that there's a spy who was trying to infiltrate my campaign, referring to Halper. When all of that erupted, that's when I realized that actually all along I was a victim of this intelligence operation. And this wasn't against me. It was against President Trump. They absolutely targeted you, it appears, and that your name was all over the uh, numerous mainstream media outlets basically calling you um, a Russian spy, as you've said, and that you were having this affair with Michael Flynn. Now we know, and it's been clarified in a number of articles, um, as well as I think with the Inspector General's report and everything else, that you are none of that. I mean, and certainly that you didn't have an affair with General Michael Flynn. But Tell me what that did to your life. How did that affect your personal life at that time? And you have filed lawsuits because of this. Yes, exactly. So, so what then happened is that um, the the um, the ground uh, for um, the soil, so to speak, was very fertile for this kind of hysterical accusation because they've um, um, there was this anti-Russian sentiment. And being accused of being a spy for Putin was like one of the, and the traitor to Britain, because I'm a British citizen, was one of the worst accusations you can make against someone. So it, when all these articles begin to appear, um, they also plastered my picture, my name, all over the, all over the news. And um, I started, I had um, people come into my house. Um, and also hustling my neighbors about this Russian spy. Um, and it got to the point where I received credible death threats sent to, um, you know, physical address of police had to get involved. And in the end, I had to literally go with my, you know, pick up my young child and leave England. Mm-hmm. They, they, they literally, it got, it got that bad. In the so meantime, you have this beautiful to- child. You just had a child. You have death threats now. Um, against you and your family, your neighbors are being harassed. It must have been a really terrible time for you. 
And, you know, I didn't know where any, any of this was coming from, right? Because now at least I know this was an operation. All I knew at the time is day after day I'm being attacked. I knew I didn't do any of those things. I knew I wasn't a Russian spy. I knew I didn't sleep with General Flynn. I knew that Halper was the source and it was all false. But what I couldn't understand is no matter what I told the newspapers and the news organizations that I'm none of those things and it's provably false, those stories, um, they just refused to withdraw or well, before the publication I told them all of that and, and, and after the publication they were just the stories were all pre-written you know the whole thing was arranged and organized it didn't matter what you said it didn't matter what you showed them so for example I say look I didn't sit next to Flynn you know there's a photograph that I wasn't sat next to Flynn just as a small example they still would not correct it right my husband called them and said she did not leave the room with Flynn. I picked her up. She didn't spend the night with him, which Halper said he saw me doing. Um, I picked her up. They refused to correct it because the narrative was all pre-written. Because they had this Russia collusion narrative. They had to have me as this character to link me to the Trump campaign, to link them to the Russians. And that's it. And they just wouldn't stop. And from And therefore, I became this person, they've stolen my identity, so they've taken a Svetlana Lakova that doesn't exist, this Russian spy. And that meant that um, my physical safety was at risk, my family's safety was at risk. I couldn't stay at Cambridge, so Cambridge University didn't want me because they don't want the scandal, because Halp also went around Cambridge University spreading those rumors, and then of course it's all over the newspapers. So I lost my career, for which I worked hard so hard for 20 years in academia, um, I had to flee my home, and I just didn't know where it was coming from, where it's going to end. Then, of course, Mueller report comes out, um, where I'm cleared, because I'm not in the report, and he didn't even bother to interview me. Let's stop there, because that's important. The Mueller report, Robert Mueller's special counsel report, does not mention Svetlana Lakova, does not discuss those issues that came out in these lies, this disinformation campaign that was out in the media. I've talked to Svetlana for years now. Her story has never changed. We have actual proof, actual evidence. Her husband picked her up after the dinner. She barely talked to Michael Flynn, just like you would meet anybody at a dinner party and say, oh, it's so nice to meet you. You're, you know, the head of the DIA. Oh, I would love for you to look at my work. I'm an, you know, I'm working on a book. Um, I'm an academic. Uh, Just normal stuff. All of a sudden, this serendipitous meeting that she had in 2014 became the pinnacle that swirled around this. Those statements you heard earlier, if you were listening uh, to John Brennan and his statements before Congress, Michael Flynn and them targeting Michael Flynn and and also the FBI and the CIA making these allegations that somehow the Trump campaign was conspiring with Russia. They were going everywhere. They were going after Svetlana. They were going after uh, they were going after Mike Flynn. They were going after anybody that was close to Trump. And let's not forget Carter Page. Because Carter Page, who was a short-term campaign volunteer, we know for a fact now there were multiple vices on him. And we also know that Inspector General Michael Horowitz, Inspector General Michael Horowitz has said that what's happened to him was incredible. The worst thing that could happen inside the secret FISA court. They actually falsified the FISA applications on Carter Page 
and left out, omitted very important information that Carter Page was actually assisting the CIA and had helped the CIA against Russia. Instead, they made it look like Carter Page was a Russian asset. So what Svetlana is saying is right in line with what happened to Carter Page, is right in line with what happened to Michael Flynn. Go on. And remember the same thing happens to Michael Flynn, where he goes to Moscow on behalf of DIA and later goes to Moscow again, again assisting DIA. And they use the trip where he got sent as if he works for Russian intelligence, right? So what they do precisely the same thing, which is they're missing the fact that he's doing his job and making it look like he's connected with Russian intelligence. So his contact with Russian intelligence were not war contacts, but actually because he works for them, they say. But the point is they didn't actually believe it, right? That's the thing. The, the, the sad story of all of this is not like they had you know, genuine concern and maybe they were, it was overheated. No, because remember, they cleared him in January 2017 of anything, right? right. So they leaked everything into the newspapers. Right. But they didn't actually did anything about if they considered Michael Flynn to be a traitor to his country and me to be this Russian spy who works for Putin, who seduced him on behalf of Russian intelligence, which is what they put in the newspapers. Do you think I would be roaming around the streets of England and America? Do you think Michael Flynn would be appointing anything? No, Nobody was arrested, people. Svetlana has been here in the United States. She lives in England. There's no evidence that she is a Russian spy. There was no evidence that Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, a three-star general who served in Afghanistan, Iraq, who has, I can't even begin to tell you how many people I know that served with him, honor him, a true patriot of this country, whose name has been just ripped apart in the media. That's one thing. They don't have any evidence that he was ever doing anything because nothing is there. Exactly. And they don't believe it themselves. You know, you're, you're an expert and you've been covering security matters. Um, people have their security clearances removed for tiniest of suspicion, right? None of that happened because they did not believe it. This was always designed to put the misinformation into the press in order to get rid of Donald Trump. It was Svetlana, serious. do you think, and I'm going to have to wrap it up right now, uh, for our listeners out there, but I want to give you an opportunity. Do you think there's an area that maybe journalists have failed to report on or something that you think is out there that needs to be reported on when it comes to this FBI operation on the Trump campaign? Well, I think this combined operation, which is the CIA and FBI, because remember the CIA, as Brennan just told us from the transcript you played, remember that Brennan was the one who originated, so to speak, this intelligence, as he calls it, and then he passed it to the FBI, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so that's something that the reporters, not only they failed to uncover, um, but my understanding from being on the receiving end, that unfortunately the mass media are part of um, uh, of the conspiracy. So through leaks and through the propaganda type articles, they conspired together with the security um, services and the Democrats in order to take on Trump because there's no other explanation. Look at my own story, right? No matter how much truth you give them, they refuse 
to accept it. For example, they're portraying Stefan Halper as a academic, as a patriot, uh, as overall good guy, despite the fact that even in Horowitz's report, we're told that he's been previously fired from the FBI for being aggressive, greedy, and have questionable allegiance to his own intelligence targets, right? So um, the, the news, and, and of course we can see in the IG report that how much he set up Carter Page, so he wasn't just spying on him, he was actually trying to get Carter Page and George Papadopoulos to commit um, illegal acts, so that in the hope that they get arrested. And, and you have a lawsuit right now, don't you? Right, and I have a lawsuit against uh, Stefan Halper and the four uh, media, well, five now media organizations that participated in this conspiracy. So they used Stefan Halper as a source for this lies, and they conspired in order to overthrow this president. And that's it, folks. That's it. Svetlana, thank you so much for being on the show today. I think our listeners have learned so much from you. It's important to hear from the people who were actively a part of this uh, Russia hoax, this Spygate scandal. It's important that you understand where they're coming from, not just reading it in a paper, not just seeing a story here and there, but in their own words, what it did to their lives and how they are fighting back and trying to regain their name and their dignity and to stop what could have potentially been a coup of this president of the United States because there's no other way to describe it. This was a soft coup of President Donald Trump. Uh, It has been described that way over and over again by the people who were directly affected or involved in it. And all you have to do is read Michael Horowitz's report to understand how bad this was. And I'm telling you folks, when John Durham, when John Durham issues those indictments, He doesn't have to issue a report. He could just go straight to the grand jury and issue those indictments. I hope and pray that we find out the truth. So Svetlana Lakova, Michael Flynn, Carter Page, George Papadopoulos, the biggest spy, Stefan Halper. And I'm going to use the word spy because that's exactly what he was doing for the FBI and for other intelligence agencies, I believe. But the big question is this, and it's the one that we're all left with, and the one that you always send to me when you write me on Twitter or you send me an email, is like, will there ever be justice? Will the whole truth ever come out? Will we have all the answers? What is going to change? And I'm putting my faith right now in our Department of Justice under Attorney General William Barr and holding him accountable and John Durham, the prosecutor, who now has a criminal probe opened into this to get those answers and to hold those people accountable. That's what's important here. And that's what we need to do. And it's a really tough story to tell because there's so many intricacies and so many players. And I know it's difficult for Americans to understand the magnitude of this because of all of these players. How do we even remember all of these names? I mean, I'm here in Washington and I forget them. I do, Adam. I do. Jenny, I forget these names. You know, sometimes it's so much information that people say, how do you how do you remember all of that? Well, I've been three years immersed in this and I know the American people haven't had that. They haven't been immersed in this. And for people that don't really watch Fox News or hear these podcasts or listen to, you know, hear the other side of the story, what the exactly what. William Barr and John Durham are investigating, it might be difficult and you might be playing catch up. 
But Svetlana Lakova is a very important figure in all of this. And I'm not going to let her be swept under the rug. Her information is vital to understanding what happened here. And I believe in the end what we're going to find out is that the FBI did not begin its investigation with President Donald Trump on July 31st, 2016, as they claim with Crossfire Hurricane but that they had spies and they began snooping around the Trump campaign way before that, maybe as late or as early as 2015 in December. And I think Stefan Halper played a significant part of that and may have all the answers. These stories are just crazy. I mean, I know I'm so glad she came on our show because it's like you can't write this. It's almost like I'm such a huge fan of Parks and Rec. Sarah, I know you are too. It's almost like that, you know, the <laughs> I episodes, love that show. the episode where Lex Leslie Nope, you know, meets with uh, Congressman Dexart, and all of a sudden they're connected as they're dating, and it's this huge sex scandal. It's like she met with Michael Flynn one time. That's it. She met with him one time and exchanged an email, and then all of a sudden, you know. The people that were targeting her used that incident to exploit it. And by the way, people, I want you to think about this. How horrible rumors and lies are when people spread rumors about you. Imagine now having an intelligence agency or a law enforcement agency or someone operating with those agencies spreading rumors and lies. And think about this, Adam, in newspapers all across the world. And all of a sudden, your life is no longer yours. You're exposed. Your name is just trashed in papers. And you have to find a way to fight back. That is not easy. Sarah, you're coming up on a million followers. For some of us like who are you know fighting for that 500 first follower, can you imagine just <laughs> listeners out there, normal people, regular people like us, just can you imagine if somebody said something about you on a regular scale in your life? Right. That would probably not be great. She had that happen on a global scale. I know. I just don't know how you would deal with something like that. It, it was a, it's, a really, it's a really important fact, and it's the reason why Svetlana Lakova now has multiple lawsuits and is fighting, fighting these people, ensuring that this does not happen again to somebody else. I hope not, and I hope her lawsuits reveal what she believes they'll reveal uh, you know, on Discovery that Stefan Halper may have been the person that leaked all this information, lies about her in the first place. Look, thank you so much for being with the Sarah Carter Show. I am coming to you from Radio America. It's so great to be here. It's a beautiful day. I want you to get up, get out with your family, and enjoy life. You know, there's so much out there. Please follow me. Follow me at SarahACarter.com and follow me on Twitter at SarahCarterDC. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on your podcast app. It helps. I am, it we does. It. We do. I'm so excited. We love the show. We love you, America. And I'm looking forward to being back with you next week. Thank you.